We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. So it's exciting that we are finally back at the microphone. It's been a long time, Tana, that we've been um, able to get, to get together. But honestly, just because we've been so busy, we've been you know, our events are going, where it's getting ready for hunting season, we're wrapping up the summer season. I know you're just getting off a year becoming an outdoor woman program. I'm planning to leave tomorrow for Nebraska's becoming an outdoor woman program. We just had our big expo at Ponca State Park in Nebraska. It's just, it's been a lot. We just honestly have not had time to, to sit down and you know, find a guest or have a discussion. So that's what this episode is going to be about is we're just going to sit down and have a friendly conversation and talk at our our audience. And I mean, it just could be like, we're calling this the babble session. We're just going to babble about everything we've been doing and getting ready for. So Tana, how are you? Oh man, I am good. I am riding the high of our Becoming an Outdoors Woman event still and coming off of a really fun mentored hunt opportunity one-on-one with kind of a a friend of mine that I met through another mutual friend. So um, we went out and hunted. It was his first time last night, first time shooting a shotgun, first time hunting, and uh, he was successful in harvesting a few doves. So it's been an awesome time. Julia, like you said, so, so busy, but it's also such a uh, like an energizing time of year in the sense that we get to see so many people at our events we get to have a lot of fun and um, get hopefully really good feedback so loving that absolutely and you and I both we uh we're not office sitters you know we can't sit (laughs) in that chair for very long so to to finally be able to get out and just get back to normal and I don't even sure if it's normal like I feel like now that those doors are open, they're open to even more opportunities and we're doing more and more, which is super exciting for all of us. So in our studio today, along with uh, myself, Julia and Tana, Kayla McKay has joined us. Uh, Rachel's not able to join us because she's just as crazy busy in Iowa, but we've brought in Kayla and she's going to have a conversation with us. She's been tagging along with uh, here in Nebraska with all of our expos. She deals with uh, youth mentor hunts, like Tana was just talking about, um, are becoming outdoor woman that we're packing for, like I said today. So well, she's just going to join the conversation, and because she she clearly knows just as how crazy busy we are. Yeah, it's great to be back in the studio. I kind of do behind the scenes for you guys that uh, Julia said a couple weeks ago, helping with the editing and everything. But I also do all the outreach programs and everything. So it's exciting to be here with you guys. You know, let's go, but let's take a step back. And Tana, tell us about Kansas's Becoming an Outdoor Woman program. It's been a while, right? Since you've, you've had one in person. Tell us about it. Yes, yeah, so this is the second one that we've had in person since, um, you know, since COVID and we had to shut down and cancel. And so um, this was our larger event. Typically in the past, we've done only 50 participants in the spring and then we do 100 in the fall. 
and uh, so this was was a big step up from that but it was nice to start with spring and kind of ease our way in to everything that has changed since COVID, but it was another great event and I have to credit our instructors. They did such a good job. Um, big shout out to, I, I can't even call them all out individually because there are so many and they all did great, but Jenny Anderson came out with her own Blackstone and taught an incredible wild game cooking class that was so wonderful and so well received. Uh, we had Amy Bowsman, who's been on the She Goes Outdoors podcast to talk to us about foraging and entomophagy. She was there at Bow and taught an in-person entomophagy class or eating insects. And that went over so well. I had gals running up to me saying that they ate a grasshopper and it tasted like shrimp or <laughs> oh, whatever. Awesome. Um, so it was so, so cool to see. I was going to say, and you said you had about 100 ladies. Where Where is your Becoming Outdoor Woman program at? Where, is it a camp, a park facility? Yeah, so our Becoming Outdoors Women event is at a camp. It's um, Rock Springs Ranch. So it is a 4-H camp. It's a wonderful, wonderful facility. Tons of cabins, a great big sprawling campus that we can do all of these exciting activities on. We did have, we had about um, probably closer to 70, 75 participants this year and about 25 instructors um, that all stayed on site. It's a really wonderful time. And yeah, we just, we got out there. It was, it was great. I'm curious to know on your Become an Outdoor Woman program, I kind of we've been doing some pre-evaluation work on the ladies that we have come in. And those ages are ranging from like, I think, 20 to 80 mm-hmm. uh, for the age range. What's like the average age or what's the age range that's participating in Kansas as BOW? You know, recently we started to see, we've been very intentionally marketing the program to a wider age range. So historically, it has been geared more, I would say, toward women 40 to 60. It seems like that's been a lot of our participants. And um, we are starting to see through some of our intentional outreach efforts a lot younger of an audience or at least a more diverse in age audience and also diverse in other factors. So we're really excited about that. Um, we did some online marketing this year through Facebook. Um, shout out to Brody Latham, our wonderful um, marketing manager. And he was able to target folks that did not already have a hunting or fishing license with us. And I think didn't have a camping permit with us either. So that was great because we were ensuring that the folks that we put out advertisements about the Becoming an Outdoors Woman program were not already folks that were experienced in the outdoors, um, at least not through those avenues of hunting, fishing, or camping. I like it. So we had really good success with that. And that what was interesting is that showed up in our class selection. So usually um, we have our shooting classes like shotguns, handguns, et cetera. And those all fill up really quickly. But this session, we had folks that were more interesting in the entomophagy or the foraging, a lot of emphasis on outdoor cooking or wild game cooking and fishing. So it was almost like they weren't quite ready to take the leap to handguns or to firearms in general yet but they were still kind of exploring some of those other avenues in the outdoors. So it was really cool to see how that showed up and what courses people selected. I like the word yet. You know, we, we do those softer classes, the, the locavore, the food, the foraging classes, because it's kind of, it's, it's an introduction. It's no pun intended, but a spoonful to a spoon, baby spoon feeding them a little bit to here's your other opportunities. Because what we've seen in some past uh, evaluation work is when they come to BOW, they're not comfortable holding a firearm. They're not even comfortable being around a firearm 
But after the event, after they've seen it, after they've seen the instructors, instructors are there and caring and how to handle it and the safety procedure, they leave where they're now comfortable to be able to try it at least to the next level. So I, I feel like maybe you're doing that same thing in Kansas. Yes, we definitely saw that. And we love, you know, even folks that signed up and said, I don't want to be in any shooting classes whatsoever. Don't put me in any shooting classes or I'm not coming to the event. And then they'll come up to us on Saturday afternoon and say, hey, could I possibly transfer into handguns? I've been hearing all about how fun that class is and how wonderful the instructors are. And I I think I want to try it. So even that weekend, um, there is such a great opportunity for trying something new and branching out. And we always have wonderful participants, wonderful instructors that create a very safe, encouraging, empowering community at the camp. And so I think that really helps folks step outside the box. And it's really cool to see. Absolutely. And it's that camaraderie that they, they develop too while they're there. Some come alone, some will just bring one friend, but they leave with a lot of other friends. And they leave and they, they start meeting up in other locations and, and building their skills together, which is, uh, that, that's the whole part of the program. Exactly. Well, Julia, what classes are you excited about? Are you guys offering anything um, new or unique this session, or do you guys have the same classes every time? Well, we do. We we twist them a little bit. Uh, we move our event around, so it depends on what landscape we're offering it. Like last year, it was at Fort Robinson State Park, clear in the western part of our state. This year, the uh, event is at Ponca State Park, so basically just straight east uh, in the northeast section of the state and so we try to offer programming that will fit that landscape fit that venue that we're in Uh, one event that we're really excited is Chelsea Radcliffe that's been here on our podcast a couple times in in Iowa we're we're having her come over the border in Nebraska because I want to introduce and and learn from her talents as well to our Nebraskans. Uh, we have the typical shooting activities that always fill and really popular with handguns, um, muzzle loading, archery. We're, we're starting soft too, also with a plink, plinking and clinking activity uh, where we have participants, maybe like we were just talking, that are not quite ready to shoot a rifle or a shotgun, but they want to try just a pellet gun or slingshot, or we even have tomahawks and adolatles there at Ponca State Park. And so we've, we've incorporated that. And then we also, the, the uh, game cleaning is always popular. You know, we, over the last couple of years, we have kind of pulled some of the softer stuff and, and heavily focused on a lot of the hunting and shooting sports because that's where we see, that's where we want to develop BOW. And what we were finding in the past that we had women coming that were only coming for those soft activities and didn't have uh, an interest in going past that point at all. So now that we've kind of shift gears a little bit harder core, maybe that's not even the way I want to put it, but with a lot of emphasis on hunting, fishing, shooting, uh, even camping, we have found that it has attracted those ladies to the event that want to do those activities. Good. Yeah, we went through kind of the same transformative process where we just realized some of the classes we were offering, even though they were being requested and people loved them, um, they were getting a little bit too far outside of the scope of our mission. It sounds like you guys went through the same thing. So we've been um, narrowing that back in a little bit, too. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, definitely. So I want to hear about your mentored hunt. You were telling a little bit of story about that uh, prior to hitting record. 
tell us how that came about and the successful story behind this hunt. Sure. Yeah. So I have my best friend in the world, Brianna Bartels. She and one of her friends, Garrett, are starting a podcast together. And um, they have been kind of reaching out to their network and getting a few interviews under their belt. Uh, They haven't decided on a podcast name yet, or I would plug it, but they're kind of getting some of those episodes in the docket, just like we've all been through. And they were nice enough to invite me to come on and talk about my job and Garrett. He revealed that he was interested in hunting and that he had been for quite a while. He is outdoorsy, but he typically, um, it centers more around like biking or hiking, um, backpacking. And he grew up pretty urban. He didn't have direct family that hunted. So we kind of made this cool connection. And so he was asking me on the podcast about resources we have available and what next step opportunities would be for him. And so I kind of walked him through our list. I walked him through our options for hunter education. I talked to him about Kansas's apprentice license, which allows you to forgo hunter education for a year and hunt under the direct supervision of a licensed adult age 18 or older. And so he decided that that sounded like a good route for him, kind of a try before you buy. So he purchased his apprentice license and um, his hip stamp because we decided we were going to be hunting for doves. And uh, we kind of made a day of it. So he came out to Pratt near our um, operations office and we went out to the gun range here in town and did some practicing with a shotgun. And um, the gentleman that actually mentored me, not only in shooting, but also how to help instruct others, was nice enough to come out. And so we just had a great time. We made a day of it. And Garrett was an absolute natural with a shotgun. I have never seen anything like it before. So he said he, I don't think he had ever shot before. But, um, you know, our um, my mentor that had taught me went through the whole process with him of like how to hold the gun and how to set everything up. And then he just loaded it and said, okay, now you're going to take a shot. And Garrett smoked the first clay target and he knocked down almost everyone that happened after that. I mean, it was so cool. And by the end of that, I don't know, maybe a couple hours, he was hitting multiple targets in a row. He was hitting a target and then breaking a piece that broke off that target It was a really, really fun time. And that was a great way to prepare for our dove hunt that evening because there was a lot going on. We were able to throw multiple clays and he could practice like identifying things in the air and making quick decisions about what was and wasn't a good shot. And he just did phenomenal. He soaked it up like a sponge. That's great. And then you had success out in the field too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we went out to Texas Lake Wildlife Area. So we went through the whole process on our app um, about going in and checking into one of those wildlife areas. And um, we sat in a couple different spots. We didn't see a lot of birds early on. And when we did find them, they wanted to stay put on the lines. They were very content. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we made kind of a, a Hail Mary move about 30 minutes before sunset. And, uh, kind of resituated ourselves closer to those power lines where they were sitting. And as that sun began to go down, um, birds started flying. And so he was able to get a few shots off and he um, harvested two doves. So he was really, really excited about that. He did a great job. He made awesome decisions about safe shots and distances. And he also did a great job identifying, um, let's see, doves versus like a cowbird or a uh, blue jay or some of the other birds that were just flying around the area. So we had jokes about that. And he he was just fantastic. He kept a positive attitude. He was open to trying new things. Um, He was willing to kind of invest a little bit of time in giving this a shot. 
And hopefully we're going to get out on a deer hunt later this year because he really, really enjoyed the dove hunt and was super excited to take the meat home and share that with his girlfriend. That's awesome. And I wanted to just take a step back because you had mentioned two things I wanted to ask about. One, I wanted to make clear that you were um, sitting by the power line, but why were you by that power line? You weren't necessarily shooting off the power line because we want to make that uh, very clear that you weren't shooting on the power line because that's illegal, at least here in Nebraska it is. But why were you stationed in that location for someone that's interested in dove hunting? Right. And it's a little hard to explain without giving the visual of Texas Lake, but basically in the area where we were at, there was a gravel road on one side and then the power, you know, there's a pretty wide ditch. Um, and then the power line ran down the middle of the ditch. And then there was a pond on the other side with sunflowers and other kind of cover crop um, planted out in the field. And so the doves were congregated in that area because they had everything they needed right there. They had water, they had food from those sunflowers. Um, and actually there was, there must've been corn nearby because one of the doves we shot had corn in its crop, but, um, so they had sunflowers, they had the water and then they had the gravel, which they'll actually take and swallow. And that helps them grind up what's in their crop. So everything they needed was right there. They would hang out by those power lines, but you cannot shoot doves, um, when they're not on the wing, they have to be in the air flying for you to shoot them. So, um, we were very careful about that. So when they're sitting but when they get up at night, um, they'll usually fly back and forth between maybe fields to feed and get a drink of water and then go to find trees to roost in. And so that's what we were hoping to capitalize on was that path between where they were sitting on the power lines back out into the food and water and then up into the roosting trees. Nice. Thanks for clarifying that. I bet I thought maybe we should. And, 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 and reason why we don't do that is it's a fair chase, right? It's they're sitting on the power line. That's just not really a fair point to be able to shoot them off at power line and same thing with um harvesting turkeys out of their roost in their tree we're making ethical decisions ethical shots uh, a fair chase for when we're in the hunting in the fields um exactly and then i wanted to back up even a little bit farther you had mentioned checking in when you were at um, a public land tell us how that works uh i'm I'm curious to learn more about that because like is that um, I check in or I put a pinpoint when I'm like on a Google map or how does that work or what is it? Yeah. So some of our public land is um, monitored and regulated through a check-in and check-out process that requires, um, you know, it'll give you updates on, hey, make sure you have steel ammunition because lead is not allowed here. And then also when you check out, you will report harvest as well. So not all of our land is set up that way, um, but Texas Lake is one that is enrolled in that check-in, check-out program. So basically what I did is I went online on the Go Outdoors Kansas app on my phone. And um, on that main menu page, there's like six tiles that you'll see. And on the bottom right-hand corner is a check-in, check-out. So you just click that button and it gives you a list of the land that is currently open. It's public land um, that you can check in and check out of. So um, it's alphabetical order. So I just scroll down to Texas Lake and then it has me log in and check into that area. And basically that gives me permission to be there. I put in information about my vehicle, about who I'm with. And then when I check out, I report harvest. And that way the land managers know who was there, if there's any sort of legal issue. And then also from a biological standpoint, we're reporting harvest. And so um, that's something that can be tracked. So it's a really cool program. And um, we didn't have any issues with it. It was all fairly smooth. So we were excited to kind of test that out. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a great way to 
get some data back on the, the animals, that are, the wildlife that's in there, getting some data on pressure of how many people are going in. I assume that kind of gives an indication that, let's say, 10 people went in at this point at this time. That gives them some indication of, yep, this public land is being used a lot or needs some pressure or, hey, I see a lot of deer, but not a lot of deer are coming out. Um, that's, that's, that's deep. That's a really cool information for uh, the department to learn. It is. Yeah. And I know I can't even um, pretend to know the depths of all the information that they get from that, but I think it's a great, great thing that they do. Um, and then we also have an IWEHA program as well that is just like our walk-in hunting access program, except for it does require that online check-in component. And it's typically more located around urban areas or smaller tracts of land. And that allows us to control the number of hunters on the property as well. Nice. So, so if you check in through IWEHA, um, the property owner can say, yes, I'll enroll my land in this program, but I'm only comfortable with two hunters hunting it per day. Or, um, you know, they can kind of have some flexibility and some say in that. And then those folks can get on. And if it's open, they can log in and sign into it and they have access. And if not, you know, they know to try again next weekend or another day. So are they requirements? Like, let's say, even on your the the app you were just talking about, is it a requirement to be able to, you have to be able to check in to go into that public land? Yep, on those areas that require check in, it is required. Okay, like on our typical Weha areas, those don't require check in, um, but it's always clearly stated there's signage up, and then you can also view a list of all of those on our website at ksoutdoors.com if you want to double check. What about you guys? Have you been doing any um, youth hunts? Or are you still gearing up for those this season? Kayla, have you hit the field at all? Or at least tell us about, you send Snapchats of getting your dog ready. Tell us about even getting your dog ready for a pheasant hunting season. Yeah, so this summer he had a pretty bad accident. He went through a fence and tore up his hind leg really bad. He was down and out for about two and a half, three months. So just getting him back into the field, slowly building up his strength and stamina in that leg again, making sure that when we do go out to the field officially, he doesn't overdo it and um, maybe potentially get him out of the field and re- early retirement. But yeah, we've been out a little bit. I went early teal hunting and excited for duck season to open this weekend here in eastern Nebraska. But other than that, just getting out, enjoying the fall weather. We're trying to. It's hot here still. It's just <laughs> today's know. our first day here in Nebraska that you needed maybe a little bit more than just a sweatshirt. And I loved it. Just loving it. I had a son that walked out in shorts and a stocking hat this morning. It's typical. It's it's finally fall. Now, this weekend is supposed to be in the 80s again, so that's a little wonky. But we're going to go back in the 70s, and I'm going to soak it up. What is it with the with boys that age and wanting to wear shorts every day, no matter the temperature? I, I remember know. that when I was that age. I don't know what it is. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, his socks are pulled up to his knees. He's got shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think it's just a lazy. Like, this is easy to put on. And mm-hmm. then they're cold in the school, too. Oh, it's so cold. Sidetrack. Come on. <laughs> they got to look manly in their oh. shorts going outside in the freezing cold weather. They can't uh, can't look weak with sh- uh, jeans on. That makes sense. So I have to brag on you guys a little bit. Um, you had your state fair recently out in, where was that again? Grand Island. Middle of the state. Grand, Grand Island, Island, yeah. 
Yeah, so our director caught wind of some of the great things you all are doing out in Nebraska with your state fair, and he actually sent our education chief and marketing manager out to check out your state fair, and they had a great time. They took a lot of really interesting nuggets home back to us on ways that we can improve our presence at the Kansas State Fair. So um, do you guys want to talk about the state fair at all or anything that went on? We sure can. So, oh, it's been about six, seven, maybe a little bit longer now that when Um, many years ago when the state fair moved from Lincoln to Grand Island, we built these new facilities. And part of that project or development was that the the Game and Parks Commission would have a specific area that focused on encouraging and teaching outdoor skills um, and introducing outdoor skills in a section that our, our team works with or has developed is a 3D archery range, so it's an indoor 3D archery range, and the other side of the building is a a pellet gun range with a plink. Basically, it's a plinking range, kind of like a huge arcade type system. If if I could say that, uh, you will shoot pellet guns at objects that are going in circle. They're going back and forth. Maybe they're they'll just drop if if they uh, you hit them. And then we have it basically automatic that we can we can stop it or bring it back up for the next kids to come in. Eight and up, they just have an absolute ball. Uh, 3D range is set up to look like the Niobrara area of Nebraska. So, you know, we've talked about that region of our state where it's kind of north central all the way to northwestern Nebraska. And so it's kind of getting that Oh, that atmosphere, and this is the wildlife that would be out there if you were to go out there hunting. So a lot of fun. And in addition to that, we have a 6,000-gallon aquarium that can be viewed, a waterfall and a stream that, again, kind of goes back to the Niobrara setting of Nebraska, and then kids' games at all as well, and then outdoors is full of landscape and play equipment and it's all free. Well, I mean, you pay the minimal cost to get into the fair, and then they get to do all this for free. So, we yeah, that was 10 days of madness, but a, a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. I know that our staff really enjoyed being there, and it seemed like everybody they saw um, running through those systems, running through the games and everything, they were having a great time. So, hopefully, we can emulate some of that here in the state of Kansas, and uh, we're always thankful to our neighbors over in Nebraska for being willing to share that those uh, ideas and that information with us so thanks y'all keep it up had i known they were coming up i think we could have probably put them to work kayla why <laughs> did we not that, snuck right? out there real quiet like yeah <laughs> I, f- I felt like i was being creeped on no i'm just kidding just kidding <laughs> oh man well that's fun and so in addition to let's see you guys are just you came off the state fair you're getting geared up for bow expo just happened as well right definitely we had uh, the Missouri River Outdoor Expo, and, you know, day one of that event is kids. It's fifth graders. We had about 700 fifth graders come join us at the Ponca State Park for this event, and then they had two full days uh, packed full of public day events. It, I mean, there's vendors, there's outdoor skills, there's everything you can imagine they can try, and it's just a lot of fun to see the families come in and, and have a blast of all ages. And uh, the team up there did a phenomenal job of putting that back on. And then, like I said, you know, the kids have a lot of fun. I received a, an email from one of the teachers kind of pointing out that all, I think it was 17 of his kids had never been to this park before. 
And so right there is just an eye-opening experience where these 17 fifth graders went to this park that was within 30 minutes of their school. They see it. They, they know what's out there. And then we hope that they will they'll go back with their families. Kayla, tell us about, you know, your eye perspective of being at the expo or even the state fair. I kind of just ramrodded <laughs> that, and you were probably there just as much as what I was. Yeah, the expo is crazy. It's almost at a loss of words, just kind of how amazing this is and what a great opportunity it is for all these students to get in. We have a diverse group of kiddos that come in, and they range from never having to camp, never been outside on hikes, this type of stuff, to tons of experience. And um, with my background, my shooting sports background, I was on the ranges pretty much for the both days. And it's fun seeing kids come in scared of the archery equipment or the pellet guns are like, oh, I can't do this. This, this, this is going to be dangerous or whatever. And then just seeing that transformation of them shooting that first arrow or shooting that first pellet and just seeing them light up and just be like, oh my goodness, this is so much fun. Teacher, can we stay? We don't have to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just fun being there on the ranges and even just kind of walking around. I, like I said, I kind of help with the background stuff. So seeing the kids light up even in different aspects. So it's it's truly amazing event that we put on for them. Kayla, that sounds awesome. And thank you both for all the work that you guys do for that. That That's so cool. I That sounds like a wonderful time. I love that you work with the schools to get the information out about that. I think the programming through our schools is a really, really great way to reach youth. And it sounds like hopefully they'll be bringing their families back out there and enjoying the resources that that state park has to offer. All right, uh, Tana, what's next on your agenda? Like, what are you planning? What What's coming up for you? You know, if I was to be honest, the thing that is heavy on my mind right now is uh, the wedding. I am getting married on October 22nd, um, so that's coming up. So here in a couple of weeks, I'll probably start taking time off of work and getting prepped for that. We're getting married in Pretty Prairie, Kansas, and then honeymooning at Historic Lake Scott State Park here in Kansas. Um, we're calling that like our little mini moon. It's like a local trip for us, and then we might kind of reevaluate finances and things down the line and plan a bigger trip maybe outside of the states outside of the u.s but um you know we're really excited for the wedding but honestly i'm super excited to go to lake scott um historic lake scott has these incredible like native american battlegrounds that have been kind of preserved and marked and um it's this beautiful kind of cliffy area and there are great opportunities for fishing and for paddling there there are swimming beaches um we'll be there in you know kind of late october so i doubt we'll be doing a ton of swimming but i cannot wait to have the opportunity to just sit in the state park cabin and have a cup of coffee on the porch on a cool crisp morning maybe go kayaking in a sweatshirt and i am just so ready for all of that we expect snapchats i want snaps <laughs> let's snap to the pictures we'll see it might be a no phones experience which oh, would honestly be a lovely break that would be a good idea i like that idea too what part of kansas would i find this park in so lake scott is located north of scott city um it's really it's like north 
E, I'm sorry, northwest of Dodge City or straight north of Garden City, if you're familiar with that area. So um, it's definitely on the western third of the state, kind of centralish, but it's it's just such a beautiful area. So we're excited to get out there. I want to say it's like three hours from where we live in Pretty Prairie, but it is well worth the drive. Sounds like and, it. And um, between now and then, I think I've told you guys before about Jacob and I's tradition that we go out and hunt the antlerless deer season in October at Clark State Fishing Lake and we camp out there and that was where we harvested our first deer together and it was we did so much that we did not need to do because we're and we still are but we were then very very new hunters so <laughs> it's a fun time and that's where we got engaged last year so we're going to go back this year for our annual hunting and camping trip and reminisce on the fact that I blacked out when he proposed to me last year, basically, and (laughs) didn't say anything, but, (laughs) um, so it'll be fun. And we got pretty distracted with the engagement last year and did not end up harvesting a deer. Um, but hopefully this year we can make that happen. And that would be awesome to have some additional meat in our freezer before the wedding. Absolutely. That's so exciting. Great memories, great stories. It'll be fun. Last year, we found a tarantula out there, which was super, super cool to see. So I would love to see another tarantula because they are migrating right now. Oh, good to know. Are tarantulas common in Kansas or are they more of a rare species? Um, Depending on the area of the state you're in, we have Texas brown tarantulas here. I grew up in the northeast out by Lawrence and we, I did not see tarantulas out there, but down here, more like South Central, where I am now in Pratt, um, we do sometimes see them, but they're migrating right now, and it is males in search of females, is my understanding. Um, I'm not a Texas brown tarantula expert, but that's why you see them, and we actually have a bike race. Um, I think it's been renamed, but it used to be called the Dirty Kansas Bike Race, and I've heard stories of people biking across Kansas and coming across stretches of road where they had to actually pick up their legs and put them on the frame of their bike because there were masses of tarantulas migrating across the blacktop oh my god i just can't imagine a sight like that no i mean it'd be cool (laughs) to see at a distance right it would be very cool yeah they're very cool critters (laughs) my husband is from california that's where he grew up and his mom just tells me stories of tarantula migrations out there how the whole hillside will look like it's moving because the tarantulas will just be moving from one spot to another in search of these females and you just look out and the hill is moving and i that just sounds fascinating it it is it's so wild (laughs) and if you like you know how you've seen big wolf spiders and you're in the back of your brain you're like oh is that a tarantula once you see an actual tarantula there is no question like that is a tarantula I feel like I want to watch a video of that, but then it's almost like it'd be a horror movie to me too. I mean, I uh, don't get me wrong. I don't mind spiders. In fact, every morning in the fall, I find myself like spider web searching. It's like finding an egg. Like where can I find the coolest spider web this morning in this morning? And I'll find them like in the corners of our barn door. And then I'll like get my camera out and take pictures of it. And, you know, it's just those fun things that you find yourself doing in the fall that that transition with the season seasons including finding the spider webs as well not so much tarantulas in in my barn but you know it is what it is yeah we found a scorpion at the becoming an outdoors woman event too in one of the cabins and that was pretty pretty wild to see as well that's another one that yes we do have native scorpions here in kansas but we don't see them that often um so that was a, a fun experience it was just a small one yeah hey cool 
It sounds like yeah. we need to go down to Kansas, Julia. Yeah, I'm going to be there next weekend again, driving through my my like weekly drive through Kansas and in Wave wherever I am at. But in search, where of are you guys going this time? At Abilene, Abilene, right? Abilene. Yeah, mm-hmm. Abilene. There's a there's a red cow there. That I need to go look at. <laughs> oh goodness! As I drive from Nebraska to Iowa to Ohio to uh oklahoma back through kansas and home in a three oh, man. what a trip yeah we were gonna do this in two days but i'm starting to look at it. i'm like I, this might need to be three days <laughs> yeah you guys aren't picking up a cow though you're just looking we're looking with some sales coming up well we might oh. if we bring a big enough vehicle yes yes i could throw her in the back, back with seat me. yep yeah. <laughs> gosh i believe that that has happened before i would be willing oh, yeah. to bet Oh, it's true. My first cow, we, we totally are squirrel moment, but this is a good story. My first cow, because we've talked about that, I live on a farm, that she came home, the bucket, a bucket calf. We had too much goat's milk because my dad milks goats and we had too much goat's milk and the freezer was filling up. So he went down the cell barn and bought a bucket calf. Well, at the time, that was the first cow we had. We only had sheep. He literally threw this bucket calf in the back of a yellow Volkswagen rabbit. Now, if you're not familiar with the size of this car, it's about the size of a bug, um, the the old Volkswagen bug. But yeah, he put this very small, her name is Nelda, in 1993, and that is what started the uh, cow expedition. Well, now I have an expedition. I could put the cow (laughs) in expedition, but now that's so so many years later, I now have 60 cows, but I I don't think we're going to go back to putting one in the back end of a vehicle. That's... Maybe traumatizing for everyone. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine. I can only imagine that. I've I've seen. Um, I've gotten pictures from one of my best friends that has a Hyundai Veloster, a little yellow one, and it looks like I don't even know if Tweety Bird was a car or something. Like it's very small and compact, and she's put bucket calves in the back of that car before. Oh, <laughs> it's just funny. ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, fun. Well, uh, Kayla, what about you? I know you guys are prepping for your BOW event, but what else is going on? Yeah, we have our National Archery in the Schools program kicking off right now. So that's a program that we have in schools all across the United States as well as international. So Europe, Africa, Australia, Canada, you name it, it probably has the program. But it's for 4th through 12th grade students. And this program is usually shot in their PE class, but it also is incorporated in physics, in science, in reading, math, art, you name it, it can really be incorporated and expanded into any program in school. And it's really a great program because it gets, like we kind of said for the expos, get these kids experienced with shooting archery and everything. So we just kicked that off for our next year in September. And so we got a lot of um, basic archery instructors. We go and train the teachers so that they can teach their kids. So we got a lot of those coming up. And then we also have Mentor Youth Archery Program going on, which is kids 8th grade through 12th grade. And they are paired up with a mentor here in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island area of Nebraska. And they go out and learn how to bow hunt with that mentor. And they have the whole season to go out, get some experience, harvest a deer, and just have fun. That's awesome. That program sounds super, super cool. I think our listeners can hear in our voices like why it's been a long time since 
<laughs> yeah. we've been able to meet like yeah. we're just oh, man. i think we could ramble on we could babble on forever we could it's so nice to sit back though and take stock of everything that's been going on you know you feel like you're running and running and you're frantic and you're trying not to drop any of the spinning plates you've got you know held up above your head but it's nice to sit back and kind of take a breath and say hey we are we're doing something and we're making a difference or at least we're giving it our best effort so it's really cool to hear about all the awesome stuff you guys are doing and know that, um, you know, we are learning a lot from you here in Kansas as well. So you guys are having a big impact. We're always searching for ideas or topics or special guests. And so we encourage our listeners to you know, send us a message through Facebook, send us an email, find a way of connecting with Rachel, Tana, or I, and send us those suggestions because it seems like... I feel like some of our best guests have come from suggestions from our listeners. And so continue to do that as we start progressing into the fall and the hunting season and then winter. And we're just going to keep, we want to keep plugging these along, keep pushing these episodes out. And while we, we touch base here once in a while with no, well, we had, we had Kayla as a guest, but you know, we're always searching for new guests and new voices and, um, I just like I want to can't stress that enough for our listeners to to push those ideas or even a topic. If you know a listener, if you know something that you want to share with us, then hey, say hey, I would love to share my idea on your podcast. Uh, give me an opportunity, and and we would love that. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. Even if you don't know anything about a topic, and you're like, hey, I'm interested in this, I don't even know where to begin. We are happy to do the legwork and try to track down a host, or um, you know, do some research and get more information. So let us know. All right, Tana, anything else? Um, I don't think so. I'm so excited. There are so many opportunities this time of the year to get out, whether it's camping, hunting, hiking, fishing, foraging. Uh, the list goes on and on. So um, at the end of the day. Get outdoors, get your family outdoors, get your friends outdoors, share the joy of the outdoors with others, and um, really just take advantage of all that the outdoors has to offer this time of year. Kayla, thanks for joining us today. Any last words of wisdom? Maybe words of wisdom for Tana, because you just were married this summer. Maybe you have words of wisdom for Tana. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I. it was great to be here with you guys again, and you know, just get out there, have some fun, and falls upon us, and before you know it, it's going to be winter, so enjoy those nice days while you can, get out, and just have some fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kayla. Thank you all you do. Thanks, Julia, for jumping on. You guys hang in there with all the busy stuff you have going on, and we'll try to do the same here in Kansas, and also take some time for ourselves to enjoy and get out in the field. Um, With that, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get updates about all of our new episodes. When things get busy, we do get a little sporadic. We try our best to release episodes on a regular schedule, but you all know how it goes. So um, if you subscribe to our podcast, that will send an automatic update or alert to your phone anytime a new episode comes out and that way you can stay in touch with us um be sure to follow us on facebook too at she goes outdoors and check out our our website at she goes outdoors.com ladies it has been awesome catching up with you hang in there and listeners we'll see you outdoors outdoors